and take our Bibles and go to the book of Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. Tonight we're going to talk about friendship. Uh, one of the things that is good, just absolutely necessary if we're going to grow as a church and if we're going to be the right kind of, be the right kind of church and the right kind of Christians, um, we're going to have to make sure that we do this thing right with French, uh, being friendly and uh, with friendship. One of the things that I've noticed, you know, that I think it's just kind of a part of our culture. We are very, we're very private people. We're very standoffish with people. I was sitting in a shop this week. They're waiting for my. They were doing an oil change on my truck, and I'm sitting in there, and there's a. The room's full of people, and we're in there, and nobody's talking to each other. They had a TV on in there, and everybody's kind of zoned in on the TV. And nobody is saying a word to each other. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I probably try to strike up a conversation or something. But you know, I did. I kind of looked at looked at the crowd, and I'm thinking, these people are going to snap snap my head off. (laughs) I try talking to them, and I mean, for a long time, nobody said anything. Finally, something came across the TV that was funny, and a few few words were exchanged, but not much. And that's just kind of how it is around here. I mean, you go into a restaurant or something. I mean, you just sit there at a table sometime and try talking to somebody at the next table. They're probably going to give you a dirty look like, what are you doing getting in my business? And it's just kind of the way we are around here. It's, and it's, uh, it's not like that everywhere. Down south, it's not like that. I, I've told you about, uh, we were in Arkansas one time and we're sitting in a pizza hut eating and everybody's staring at us. I mean, everybody, which, you know, that was kind of weird. I mean, people are turned around in their booths looking at us. We're just sitting there eating. And then, and I'm sitting there and I'm kind of getting aggravated. But before we were all done, everybody in that restaurant, we were all having a group conversation. Every one of us. And, you know, and, they, and when they did that, we got to talking and they were asking, you know, where we were from. And I told them where we were from. I told them why we were there. We were actually there for a camp meeting at my uncle's church there in town. I was able to tell, you know, all the people there about my uncle's church. And, it's the way they are down there. But I remember at first when everybody starts talking, at first I'm kind of... My attitude was, what are you doing talking to us? What are you doing getting in my business? Because I'm a northerner. I'm ashamed to admit that, but it's just, I am. And I, and I, but I stopped myself and I was like, alright, no, I'm down south. They're friendly down south. And uh, the, you know, we need... The truth is we need more of that, I believe, in our society today. You know, we don't... We don't really talk to our neighbors much, um, you know. I mean, so I'm, I'm including myself in this. I'm preaching to myself. Honestly, I don't. To tell you the truth, I've talked to one of my neighbors a few times. I talked to one of the other ones maybe once, but I don't even know their names, and that's pretty sad. But that's just that's kind of how we are. And the truth is, as Christians, you know, we're not here to adapt. To the culture, we're here to influence the culture and to try to help them. And being friendly is is huge because we are not a friendly society for the most part. I mean, we're not necessarily mean. You know, we're not we're not ignorant to each other. You know, I mean, we don't. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not going to walk through Walmart. Chances are, you're not going to walk through Walmart, and get in an argument, or get in a fight with somebody. But there's a real good chance you're probably not going to talk to anybody while you're there. You're not going to strike up any conversation. It's just kind of how we work. 
And the uh, Bible says in Proverbs 18.24, it says, "...a man that hath friends must show himself friendly." And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We, you know, a lot of times people who don't have a lot of friends, they will always talk about how unfriendly everybody else is. But the truth is, according to, according to the Word of God here, we see this, a person that's friendly is going to have friends. The truth is, if you don't seem to have any friends, it's probably not because the whole world is unfriendly to you. It's probably because you're not friendly to them. And as Christians especially, we ought to be the ones initiating these things. We ought to be the ones being friendly first. It shouldn't be lost people reaching out to us first. The people that we work with, it shouldn't be the lost people that reach out and that are, that are friendly to us. It ought to be us that starts that stuff. And maybe they'll pick up on some of it, but, and, and there are some lost people that are as friendly as all get out. I remember one guy I worked with, his name was Mike. And this guy, I'm telling you, he, he was not saved. He made no claims to be saved. Uh, or, or he made no claims to be religious at all. But he was one of the friendliest guys I've ever met in my life. He was one of the nice, I mean, just flat out nice, nicest guys you would ever meet. Uh, he, was, he was very encouraging. He would always just try to encourage people. You know, if he saw they were having a hard time, you know, he was observant with those things. And I remember, I remember watching this guy and thinking, man, this guy acts more Christian than most Christians do. I mean, he made me feel bad. He, this guy was so friendly. And, you know, just a great guy. And we ought to do that. And the truth is, Jesus Christ, he was a great example of friendliness in the Bible. We're going to look at some things about Christ. But one thing we see about Jesus and the way, the kind of friend he was, is Jesus offered friendship to everyone. He offered it to everyone. Jesus, he had a pretty big variety of friends and a pretty big. There was a pretty big group of people, or several types of people, that he was friends with. It wasn't just one certain group. Jesus, he offered that friendship to everyone. Jesus was able to. He made friends with sinners. But notice he did it without sinning too. You know, I think, well, how's that possible? A lot of times, we a lot of people think, well, if we're going to reach out to the sinners, you know, we've got to be like them. Well, not necessarily. Uh, Miss Hazel this morning gave me a newspaper article I was just reading before the service, and down in Florida, there is a group down there that have started having church services in a bar on Sundays, and it is not uncommon. For people, they said in the crowd to be, uh, you know, have a Bloody Mary in their hand. For people to uh, be wearing swimsuits to the church service, and I thought, what a mess, <laughs> what a shame. Well, we, you know, somebody's got to reach the drunks, so you know, let's go have church bar. No, that's not how it works. And Jesus Christ, you you never see him sinning at all to try to reach these people, but he was he was friendly with everybody. He had something. That everybody wanted across the board, saved or lost. Jesus, he loved people. He looked at people, and by, you know, many times when you read the scriptures, it would say when he saw them, he had compassion on them. He just loved people. He, and he, the truth is, he loves everybody, and he would look at people, and he loved them. And you know what? You can't help but pick up 
And that you, you can tell when somebody really loves you. You can tell when somebody really cares for you. And the kind of love he had too, it was that agape love, that godly love, uh, charity that doesn't expect anything in return. Jesus, he just, he loved people and the world has got to see that from us. A real, genuine love. One that's not asking for anything in return. People want that. I think you will all admit, you know, we want to be loved. We all, we all want to be liked. I know that there's, you know, there's people out there and there's groups that are not going to like us no matter what we do. But at the same time, no matter who it is, it doesn't feel good to have somebody hate you and to have somebody not like you. That doesn't feel good at all. But we all like having, we all like love and Jesus had that for everyone. Jesus also, uh, had mercy. For everyone. Proverbs 17 17, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. He loved him no matter what. The woman that was taken in adultery. I mean, here she is after being busted for a sin that she had committed. And yet Jesus looked at her and he still loved her. That went that goes a long way. When you show love to people when they're at a low point in their life, listen, the world they like to kick people when they're down. But as Christians, we've got to do the opposite. We've got to love people when they are at their lowest points, at the worst moments. We show love to them. We show compassion. Jesus had that. He had compassion. He would look at their situation and He would hurt for those people. He wanted to help them. He wanted to heal them of their diseases. He wanted He wanted to mend that broken heart that they had. Listen, we don't have. We might not have the ability to meet the needs of everybody that we come in contact with, but we should still have compassion. If you know somebody, you're working with somebody and they're struggling, people can tell if you really do have compassion, if you really do care. And when people see that, they're going to be attracted to you in the right way. And they were to Jesus because He had that. Jesus, but not, you know, not only did He have love and mercy and compassion, He did provide for their needs. When people would come to him that were sick or they were blind, he would heal whatever the disease was they had. He had the ability to do that, and you know, there. Listen, we need we need to, we need we ought to be charitable people. We ought to we ought to give to people. Maybe sometime too, just you know, not not even big things. I mean, it is amazing how far just making making a meal for somebody goes. It means a lot to people. Even if it's people, not necessarily even, uh, you know, they don't have to be poor and starving. Just having people do that for you, it it feels good. Your mom, she's made food for us before. You know, we weren't starving. We weren't, you know, but it was an act of kindness. It was an act of love, and you know, it made us feel good. And not just because the food tasted good. It's just it, it makes you feel good. Hey, somebody was thinking about me. Our our neighbors that we had at our old house when we moved there, uh, you, you know. I had talked to them a few times, nice people, and uh, you could tell they were very concerned about who the neighbors were going to be. You know, and uh, I remember I told my wife she makes some really good strawberry apple pies. And I said, you know what, she was going to be making some. So why don't you make some for them? And I'm telling you, when she did, I mean, after that we could do no wrong because just because she made a pie for them, and you know, we got along real good with them. And listen, it's. It's nice when you have a neighbor you can get along with, and it's a nightmare when you have one that you hate and when you're at each other's throats. And 
Just doing a little thing like that really means a lot to people. Because you just don't see a whole lot of that these days. I mean, when was the last time somebody came to your house with a pie? doesn't happen very often, does it? But how much is it that much effort? Not really. But it goes a long, long way because people see that you're paying attention to, that you care, especially if it's when they're going through a difficult time. Just writing somebody a note, sending them a card. I mean, just little things like that are huge. And Jesus, he had that, and so people were attracted to him. But he gave what he had to everyone freely. I know they had to accept what Jesus had to offer. Not everybody wanted it, wanted something from Jesus. There were you know the Pharisees; they hated him. Jesus would have saved them. Jesus would have been kind to them. He'd have healed them if they had had a problem. But not everybody wanted it. Some uh, some people even wanted things from Jesus that he didn't have to uh, to give necessarily. The disciples, you may remember, they wanted positions that weren't Jesus to give. Remember, uh, James and John's mother came to Jesus one time. She said, "In your kingdom." You know, could you have it where my one son sits on your right hand and another son sits on your left hand? And Jesus said, "You know, that's not mine to give. Sometimes people are going to want things from us that are not ours to give. Sometimes people will demand things from us, and you know, if you're my friend, you'll do this or that, and they'll ask us to do something that we shouldn't do. Mark it down if somebody does that." Not only are they not your friend, but you are not being a friend to them by giving them what they want. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't say, well, man, I'm Jesus Christ. I've got to make sure I give people everything they want if I'm going to be the perfect example of a friend. I'm going to do that. No, He didn't have that. That wasn't His to give. And He, didn't give, he did not give that to Him. There are some things that God has told me and if somebody comes along and says, hey, you know, Pastor Tom, if you're my friend... You're going to stop preaching against this sin. Well, listen, I don't, I don't have the right. I don't have the ability to pick and choose what I preach about. I'm supposed to follow the Word of God. I can't, I can't help you there. I don't have that to give. And there, and um, also, some wanted Jesus to take positions that weren't His to take. There were, there was one time when they tried, they wanted to make Him king right there. It wasn't time. And he didn't do it, and that offended a lot of people. That upset them. There's sometimes people are going to want things from you. They're going to want you to do things that it is not God's will for you to do. Maybe they want you to take a job, or they want you to take a position that you can't do. That's not God's will for your life. Oh, well, I want to be a friend to them. Well, that's fine. You be a friend. You can give what you had to give. But listen, God's will and God's plan for your life—that is something that He has for you, and we can't. We can't go against that for somebody else. That it's not ours to give to give our life to anybody other than God. But we should offer friendships, friendship to all we can. And if we're going to do that, we've got to give those four things that Jesus did. We need to give love, mercy, compassion, provision for any for any need that we're able to give. But when Jesus, even though he was the perfect example of a friend, we see later in his life that he lost many of his friends. And it was because they had a will for Jesus that was not the will of God. And this offended many people. And it eventually even caused some of his friends to become his enemies. For example, Judas Iscariot. You may remember Judas Iscariot. He was 
the treasurer. He was the guy that held the bag. He was the guy in charge of the money. And Judas, you know, we don't know everything that was going on in his head, but it's not, you know, he he was probably excited first thing. You know, I'm going to be the treasurer, of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to. What a great position that's going to be. But then all of a sudden, after following Jesus for a few years, he figured out, oh wait a minute, his kingdom's not of this world. After he reveals it to him that he's going to die, that he's going to be you know put to death. All of a sudden, Judas realizes, wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I wanted. And Judas ended up going and thought, well, I'm going to get whatever I can get out of this. And he went and betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He became, he became an enemy. And sometimes your friends, they're going to have a will for you that's not the will of God. And being obedient to God sometimes may make us lose friends. They may want you... Uh, to get involved in something that you shouldn't get involved in. A lot of times, you know, maybe young young men will tell some girl that you know he'll ask something of them that he shouldn't even be asking. If you love me, you'll do this. Listen, that is that's garbage. And there there are some things if nobody should ever ask us, or the people will ask you to do things that are not the will of God. But we, no matter how good of a friend you are, you do not have to do that. Our ultimate loyalty is to Christ. And people tried that with Jesus. They, there were certain things they wanted from Him. You remember Peter, when Jesus told them that He was going to die, uh, Peter said, he, Peter didn't want that. He rebuked Christ. And Jesus turned around and rebuked him. That wasn't what Peter wanted. That wasn't His will. That wasn't Peter's will for Jesus Christ. When the soldiers came to take away Jesus, remember Peter at first went and he took his sword and he cut off the ear. Of one of the one of the soldiers, I think he was trying to cut his head off. I think what probably happened, he he swung that sword, and that guy kind of turned his head like that, and he got his ear. He tried to kill him, and Jesus told him to put away the sword. And Peter got offended, and after that, you know, as Peter followed afar off, and it was only a few hours later, Peter denied Christ three times. You know why? Peter was upset. He had a will for Christ that wasn't the will of God. And our friends are going to do that sometimes. Some people want to be your friend. Maybe it's just because you have something that they want. For example, uh, rich people. They have a lot of friends sometimes. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 4 says, Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Basically, with that saying, people who have a lot, they're always going to have a lot of people kind of following along. You know why? They're hoping to get something out of it. They're hoping to get a piece of the action. They're hoping maybe maybe this person will give me a uh, give me a handout when I need it. These people have a lot to offer me. You know, they got this big house where they got all this cool stuff, and uh, you know they you know I'm 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 trying right now to make friends with somebody here in town that's got some woods where I can go hunting because <laughs> I, I I like to hunt, but um, I don't have a place right now. But you know. Rich people, so a lot of times they have a lot of friends, and maybe just not necessarily the right kind of for the right reason. And verse six says, "Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts." So somebody that's giving stuff away, they're going to have a lot of people following them. They're going to have a lot of people liking them. Proverbs twenty-seven verse fourteen. I'm going to read this verse to you. Proverbs twenty-seven fourteen. 
He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. Now notice these friends we're talking about here. Okay, I'm not saying well the way I'm not saying that if you want to be, you know have friends, you need to go make a whole lot of money and get rich, because then you're gonna have a lot of friends. These kind of friends we're talking about aren't necessarily the best kind of friends. And notice how it says here, it says, He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it should be counted a curse to him. When I first read that verse, I didn't quite get it. and I read some commentaries on it. And basically, what that means is if you've got somebody that's singing your praises before you've even done anything that day, it's a curse. They're basically doing that. They're saying all these good things about you because they're wanting something from you. Right now, guys like Mitt Romney got a lot of friends right now. There's a whole bunch of people that right now will do anything for him. A lot of politicians that are saying all these great things about him. And many of those people, one of these days, if he becomes president, more than likely, will stab him in the back. You know why guys like him get a lot of that praise? Because they're thinking, if this guy becomes president, he might be able to give me a position. He might be. Able, I remember I was I was listening on the radio. They were talking about Jesse Jackson Jr. I don't know if you've heard about him right now, but he's been having a lot of health problems. Finds out he's bipolar. He's been dealing with depression and things. And they're saying uh, the one of the uh, they think one of the reasons that he got so depressed is he's been snubbed by Obama since he's become president. Because you know Obama's trying to distance himself a little bit from all the crooks that are in Illinois, and uh, you know so he doesn't look like he's one of them. And I think Jesse Jackson Jr. thought he was going to be getting some positions and things, because, uh, you know, because him and Obama were friends, and he's kind of gotten snubbed. He he was hoping to get that Senate seat of Obama's, and he didn't get that, and he went into a deep depression, and now he's not too happy. <laughs> with with President Obama. And that kind of stuff happens all the time in politics because people are wanting something. And there's a lot a lot of times that happens in church. People they will they'll come to church, they'll come to Christ thinking I'm gonna get all these things from Jesus. All these great things are going to happen. And then when things don't they don't get exactly what they want. After they come to church for a month and all their problems haven't gone away, when they gave you know five dollars in the offering and they still didn't win the lottery the next day, they're still then they're like, you know what? Forget this. I'm not going to do this anymore. Jesus didn't give me what I wanted, and they all oh, they were saying all kinds of great things at first about them. I mean, you're going to have that. We you know you have that in church. People will come in, they'll say wonderful things about you. You don't give them what they want one time, and they're cursing you later. And I tell you, I've had that before where people are saying good things about me and it's like, you don't even know me yet. Please stop. <laughs> stop stop saying these good things. I remember one time in particular I heard somebody was saying some great things about me. And when they did, that verse came to my mind. And I was, I was thinking, please stop. Please stop. And it turned out it was a curse. <laughs> and that, because that, the Bible's true. So it's just the way it's the way it works, and that kind of thing is going to happen. If you if somebody comes along and they're just praising you and you haven't even done anything yet, don't let it go to your head. Don't 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 get the big head about it. Get scared and humble yourself and say, Lord, I didn't ask for this. You know, Lord, I'm not encouraging this. Lord, please do not you know do not let this become a curse to me. But that verse is talking about an open show of praising. 
People, they if they pray. You know, if, if somebody really, if somebody really deserves praise, if you really have done something good, listen. I, I'm not against public praise. You know, I don't. I'm not against you know recognizing people for doing something good. But you know what? Sometimes it's best just to keep it private, and just uh, you don't have to make a big show about it. There's people I've known. You know, whenever they do something for somebody, they've always got to make it a big ceremony. They've got to make it a big thing where everybody sees what they're doing for them. Man, I, I get scared to death of that stuff. I, I get scared to death of that. I would rather somebody, uh, if they're going to do something for me, or if I'm going to do something for somebody, I'd rather do it in private. Because so these verses in, in Proverbs scare me because they always they always come to pass. But a friend that won't get on you every now and then, the truth is, is not a real friend. Think well, you know, you know, we want friends that just kind of follow us around and say good things all the time. That's not the best friend. Proverbs twenty-seven verse six says, "Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful." Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, your friend will hurt you sometimes when you need it. They'll. I uh, says the wounds of a friend. They'll they'll get on your case. They'll let you know that hey, you're doing wrong. Hey, you need to straighten up your act. Hey, you have problems. That's why your parents are your best friends. They're the first ones that's going to jump on your case when you need it. And you know why they do that? Because they love you the most. A lot of times your friends I mean it. It just makes me want to throw up the way. Friends will encourage, or quote, friends will encourage others to do wrong. I mean, good night. You see some of the stuff that people they'll post all their wickedness online, and they'll go on Facebook, and you know they'll put all this garbage that they're doing, and then you hear all their friends, you know, type, you know, clicking like and putting all these comments encouraging them, and you think, what is with these people? They don't care about them one bit. And you know, and then if you are, you know, maybe uh, if you're somebody who really does love them and you care about them, and you rebuke them, they get mad at you. They get mad at you every time. Friends, the friends will encourage you, but you know what? When you end up crashing and burning, those people that rebuke you, they're still going to love you, and those friends, they're going to leave you in the dirt. That's just the way it works. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. If you've got a friend that's not afraid to get on your case, you ought to be thankful for them. If you've got parents that aren't afraid to get on your case every now and then, you ought to be thankful. We need that. We need that. That's what a real and a real friend will do. That and uh, it it is absolutely disgusting the way people encourage others to do wrong. And uh, you're I tell you you're going to look back one of these days and uh, you're you know, you're going to realize who your real friends were. It's like your parents. Best friends you could have, you know, family members, your grandparents, you know, the, your pastor, somebody who gets up and preaches against everything. You know, it's, that's done out of, out of a heart of love. But with friendships too, you're going to have some friends that are close to other friends. In fact, Jesus and even God had friends that were closer than other people. For example, with Jesus, he was very close with his twelve disciples, wasn't he? But even also. Uh, another group that he was very close with, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Those three were very special to Christ. 
Um, and then with the disciples, remember Peter, James, and John. Those three. They were with Jesus more than any others. But then even out of them, there was one that was that kind of topped all of them. Anybody know who that was? He was known as the beloved disciple. John. John, the beloved disciple, who laid on Jesus' breast. He was very, very close to Christ. Closer than the other ones were. Jesus had closer friends. And the truth is, we all have we have friends that are closer than others. Um, God had some close friends. Remember Enoch. We talked about Enoch a few weeks ago. He walked with God. Enoch was so special. God said, you know what? I'm not going to wait for you to die. I'm going to take you to heaven now. That's how special Enoch was to God. Abraham, he was referred to as the friend of God. Isaiah 41.8 says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Think about that. I mean, that's a compliment right there. So James 2.23, And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So Abraham, he was special. Uh, David, a man after God's own heart. Moses, he was the one that spoke face to face as to a friend, the Bible says. So what causes those special attractions with friends? And it really simply, it's the responses of the friends. You know, we look at guys like Abraham, David, or John, and well, God showed favoritism with those people. Jesus showed favoritism with John because he loved him more than he loved the other disciples. Well, no, the truth is, God loves everybody equal, but there were people that special, and they they were special. The same reason we all have friends that we're closer to than others. And what are there's really four things that causes friends to be closer. One of those things is likeness. Things in common. If some people, some friends that you have, you know, you know, Samuel and Danny, you guys probably have some friends that one of the things that's kind of made you friends with them is maybe the band. They're involved in music and things, something that you're involved in. So you're going to probably be closer to them than maybe somebody who's on the football team or somebody who's on the basketball team because you have that in common. You work with them in that in that area. People uh, who you know, people of like faith. You know, I get along better with Baptists than I do with Jehovah's Witnesses. We don't have a lot in common. And you know, while I want to be, uh, you know, I don't want to be friendly with Jehovah's Witness. That's a bad example. <laughs> but you know, you know, but you do. you have you have more in common with them, so you're going to be closer. And people like David, a man after God's own heart. David thought the way God thought. David, he he did things the way God would have done them if he was on this earth. And God looked at that and he's like, Man, I have something in common with them. You know, Brother Menez, I think one of the things that's helped our friendship is your hatred of cheese. Not too many people like that. I appreciate that. We have a lot in common when it comes to food and, and things that we like and things that we dislike, and you just you can't help but hit it off with people in those areas. My dad, if you if somebody comes along and they are a hunter, my dad's automatically friends with them. I mean, my dad will talk to them and he'll get a conversation going and I just got to leave because he's about to tell them a million hunting stories that I've already heard a million times. And, and, they'll, and they, you know, they'll go and exchange stories. And the truth is, hunters too, a little secret, hunters, 
they could care less about hearing your hunting story, but they listen because if you tell them a hunting story, then they get to tell you one. <laughs> and, and nobody likes listening, listening, but everybody likes telling their stories. And that's, that's the secret with hunters. But when you have things in common, you're going to be closer. Also, this is a big one too, labor. Labor will bring you closer. When you're working, working with somebody makes you closer to them. There's people that I worked with uh, Walmart that we were as different as night and day. But you know what? We became close because we worked together. We had, we had the same job. We were around each other every day. And that laboring together, it made us closer. As, uh, at Lighthouse, the, you know, the years that we were there, there was people that we came, you know, came very close to because uh, especially in those early years, we, did, we had to do a lot of work around that church. That church, it was an old, ugly, nasty Western nightclub. And you know, we remodeled the place. And it, it brought us closer because of the work that we did. Later when we built the gymnasium, you know, we, did, we did most of that work ourselves. And it, and it brought a lot of people closer. Laboring will do that. And as a church too, not just in things like that, but as we labor trying to reach souls and trying to witness to people, we're going to be we're going to become closer. When I was at Lighthouse, a couple of the men that I became close to, one his name was Bert Leach. I don't know how old he is, but years older than me. He's probably got fifty years on me. Think, well, how much do we have in common? Well, this man, he was a soul winner. He cared about souls. That's what he loved to do. That was kind of his thing. And I used to go out with him on Thursday nights and we'd go out visiting and witnessing to people. And I loved doing that. We became close. Well, why we were working together. Another man, Don Jones, we became good friends. Me and him, we would go out a lot of times. He'd have some time off during the week and he'd come with me. We'd go out knocking doors and we'd just we'd talk and we were we were laboring together. And while you know we didn't have a whole lot of things in common, uh, as, you know, as far as uh, you know, the normal things are concerned, that laboring together brought us closer. He was involved in the detention home ministry, and when you work together, you're gonna you're gonna get closer to people. Also, love that's gonna cause closer friendships. When you do the acts of love for somebody else, when they do acts of love for you, that's gonna cause you to become a closer friend. Doing things for other people. Since since we've started this church, there's been many people that have, have have done things for me and done things for this church. And I just you, you can't help but love those people. I've, there's many uh, pastors that I've become closer to uh, since I've started this because they've just been there. They've been an encouragement. They've been they've been a help to me in a lot of ways. And you know I, I've all I I cared about them before, but I'm just gonna be honest. I do more now because. Uh, the love that's been shown. And then the fourth thing is loyalty. James chapter 4, verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever were there, uh, therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You cannot love someone and still be their enemy. Jesus commanded us to, and He does not command us to do something that's impossible. We got. We need to be loyal to God. Now, notice too. You know, be, you know, God says to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. That does not mean that we all have to go 
and move out to some community somewhere where we're all separated from the rest of the world and uh, you know, and all you know, become Amish or whatever. It doesn't mean that we are to live among the world. And part of being loyal to Christ is being friendly to others and trying to reach them with the gospel. But we got to remember our ultimate loyalty is to Him. You can be friends with anybody out there, but never let that friendship that you have with them cause you to go against God. There's some friends out there that they want to be your only friend. You ever known somebody like that? Or I mean, they, they can only have one friend at a time. And if you're talking to somebody else, they're going to get mad at you. you know, there's, when you're little kids, that happens a lot. But you know what? Some people, they keep doing that through their teen years and even while they're an adult. It's like they can only have one friend at a time. And uh, you know, that's, uh, there's a lot of folks like that. And they're going to want a lot from you. There's been people I've known that I knew I could not be their friend because they just they want things from me that are not mine to give. And uh, our ultimate loyalty, though, is to Jesus Christ. And we've got to remember that. We've got to keep that in mind. We would never do anything that would be disloyal. To him. But when when you're loyal to somebody, that's going to cause a, that's going to cause a closer friendship. That's going to cause you to be close to them. John, the beloved disciple, he was like that. I mean, he loved. Christ. Jesus loved all His disciples, but John, there was something he he wanted to be as close to Christ as he could. I mean, he you know the Bible says there at that at that Last Supper he lied on his breast. He just he wanted to get as close as he could to him because he had that kind of love, and it was special to Jesus because he had that. And I believe think well, you know, why doesn't Jesus give me special treatment? Well, maybe it's because we don't pay any attention to him. Maybe it's because we're you know he offers it to us. Maybe it's because we're distancing ourselves. Mary Magdalene, very special to Christ. She was the one that washed Jesus' feet with her hair. I mean, she did those things for him. When uh, that he came for dinner the one time, she sat there at she sat there at his feet. Martha, she was serving and you know coming about with uh, much serving. She was trying to prepare the food and do everything. But Mary, she just wanted to be as close as she could to Christ. She sat there at his feet. She wanted to be right there. She wanted to get everything she possibly could from him. And Jesus responded to that. And she was very special. Listen, you're gonna be, I mean, you're gonna be more likely, if you go visit, you know, if, you know, the Menezes, if you went over to Lonnie's house and you all go over there and he's just thrilled to have you there and he goes and makes this nice meal for you and you, he puts in all this effort and you can just tell he's thrilled to death that you're there. And then you come over to my house and I'm like, oh, you all are here. Oh yeah, I forgot I invited you. You know, and I throw a TV dinner in the microwave, and here you go, eat this. I don't talk. You are all sitting there in awkward silence. And then, you know, a little while, you know, whose house are you going to want to go to next time? You're going to want to go to the one who is glad to see you, even if his food wasn't very good. Maybe he did a terrible job cooking. Maybe he burnt the food, but you can tell he was glad to have you there. Have you ever been somewhere you could tell you weren't wanted? It's no fun, and you know. The, and the truth is, I believe Jesus blesses some churches more than others because you can tell those churches they want Him there, they want Him to show up in the services. They're praying, they're asking Him to be a part and to have His way and to have control. And others, they could care less. The truth is, they'd rather Him not be there. He'd spoil their fun. And Jesus is going to respond to that. And we need to want to be the right kind of friend. To others and the right kind of friend of Christ. But there are some people 
we do not have to make relationships with. Proverbs 22-24 says, Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why is that? Because my dad says he's said this all my life, heard a million times, you are now or you soon shall be who your friends are. You hang around somebody that's angry all the time and mad all the time, guess what? They're going to get you mad. They're going to get you fired up. There's some people that I've known, people that I've worked with, even friends that I had. It's like, you know, I'm going to have to stay away from them. There's some people, if I get around them too much, I get depressed. You know why? Because they're always depressed. Some people, if I get around them, I get angry. You know why? Because they're always angry. And there's some people, though, that are always in a good mood. They're always happy. Very positive people. And you just get around them and you get in a good mood. You know why? Because we rub, people rub off on us. We rub off on other people. Have you ever wondered, you know, what happens when I walk in the room? <laughs> you know, what happens to other people when I get around them? Do I spread anger? Do I spread joy? What am I doing? And we don't want to be that angry man the Bible says not to make friendship with. But Jesus, He showed the ultimate friendship to us when He died on the cross. And if we want to have a close relationship with Him, we need to respond to that love. John 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are My friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Boy, what a privilege to be called friends. He's told the disciples, I've called you friends. You're my friends if you keep my commandments. That's how we show friendship to Christ. By keeping His commandments. And you know what? Jesus is... He's going to take care of His friends. And when we show that... When that desire to be his friend, that I mean that that love for him, we see it through the Bible. He always responded to that. Those people were special to him. I don't know about you, but I want to be special to God. I want to be special to Christ. Oh, everybody's special. You know, he loves us all equally. Yes, in a sense, he offers the same thing to all of us. But not everybody takes it. Not everybody responds to it. And when and if you do, it's gonna it's going to show God's going to bless. God will bless you more than others because you responded to that friendship He's offered. Others could have it too, but we've got to keep those commandments. So I hope this will be a help to you, help you understand what kind of friend you need to be, and help you especially to concentrate on that friendship with Christ. If we're going to have the right kind of church, we've got to be a friendly church. We've got to do these things. People come walking in, we don't want to look at them like, "What are you doing here? This is our church." No. French people, they're looking. They're looking for friendship. They're looking for people to love them. They're looking for acceptance. We want to make sure we do that. So let's stand together tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed.